Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining us on Two Middle-Aged Men and Their Top Ten. I'm John. And I'm Scott. Uh, please check us out on our social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all with the same handle, at 2MAMTOP10. That's at the number 2MAMTOP10. Please uh, subscribe and follow our show, which you can do on Anchor and Spotify the easiest. Uh, we're also on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, Stitcher, and most other places where you find podcasts. Please follow, rate, and review and let us know what types of lists you'd like to hear us talk about in the future. Full disclosure, our current to-do list is over 375 items long. That doesn't mean they're all good ideas. What's your favorite genre of movie? What's your favorite year in movies? Who's your favorite actor or actress? There's nothing we won't talk about that's movie-related. Now let's get on with the show. My number five is Invictus, a 7.3 in IMDb. Came out in 2009, a tomato meter score of 76% and an audience score of 75%, directed by Clint Eastwood, based on a book by John Carlin, with screenplay written by Anthony Peckham. Film stars Matt Damon, Morgan Freeman, Tony Cahore, Adoha Endo, Julian Lewis Jones and Patrick uh, Mafoking. Uh, Morgan Freeman was Nelson Mandela's choice to portray him in a film. Makes sense. And whenever Matt Damon met his, the character he plays, or the, the man he plays, Francois Pinier, he. Um, he was looking up at the man <laughs> and he, he told him, well, I've looked much bigger on TV. So, <laughs> but um, let's see. Nelson Mandela in his first term as president of South Africa initiates a unique venture to unite the apartheid torn land enlists the national rugby team on a mission to win the 1995 Rugby World Cup. Um, I, I, I saw this when it came out or a little bit afterwards. Uh, I had forgotten that it was a, a Clint Eastwood movie. Which shouldn't be surprising. Um, Clint Eastwood is far deeper than a lot of people probably give him credit for. Absolutely. Especially a lot of his directorial stuff. Is... Mm -hmm. But what I do remember, you know, I do, this, this is sort of a, um, a, um, oh, I just forgot the name of a movie. Remember the Titans. 
That's what I was trying to remember. It sort of got not really, but the 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 theme is kind of there. Yeah, it's, I know. What you're um, basically, you have Nelson Mandela going. He's he's you know making speeches and visiting different parts of South Africa, and I mean there are several people vehemently for him and several people very much against him and yeah. he he gets this team on board and specifically Francois Pinier who's like the captain he gets him on board to try to win win the gold cup or whatever it is the rugby world cup yeah so it's got it's a good true story but it's also like a lot of sports movies where i like hockey and um football where i don't necessarily like playing those things and with hockey i don't really like watching hockey like on tv but as a movie it's great it's great yeah. stuff yeah so what do you think yeah no it's yeah it's a great movie um didn't make my list i have i haven't seen it in a while um i do remember you know mostly um and yeah i, I do remember it being a great movie um yeah and especially i mean you yeah i mean you can't the perfect choice for nelson mandela i mean morgan freeman is yeah um and yeah and i i, I don't know i just i mean i didn't know the story before the movie um i mean i knew about apartheid and nelson mandela and that um um and so i like the way the movie um tells its story through you know it's it's not you know because it would have been a real downer to you know if it just focused on the politics of you know south africa at that time um but it doesn't lose any of the power of that story by telling it this way either but it makes it a lot mm -hmm. more palatable and more entertaining and more interesting and so um and i mean and, and it's a true story um yeah. So, you know, um, it's not like they made up this, you know, soccer in order to do that, this or this rugby story to to do that. So, um, so yeah, I think it's a fascinating uh, story just, you know, on its own. But, the you know, obviously the acting is is phenomenal from both Damon and, and you know, Morgan Freeman, who's also like, you know, like always great. I mean, can't go wrong with, with Morgan Freeman. <clears throat> It's sort of like it seems like everybody's shoved into this like baptism by fire situation where they're forced like like his security team is forced to enter they're forced to interact with each other black security people white security people and yeah. the white people are kind of leery for their reasons um 
the black security are like, are these crackers really going to take a bullet for this guy? And I think, I don't know, that's as interesting to me as seeing that stuff unfold as like the sports part of it. Yeah. No, yeah, I I agree. I agree. Um, Yeah, I was just saying if the movie was just about that, you know, it would have been hard hard to, you know, make an entertaining movie out of that. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. That, that's that's the most interesting part of of the story, um, and yeah, and I, I agree. It is it is just interesting from that perspective because yeah, I mean that the it went from being one sort of country to the exact opposite country, and you know this is about that the early stages of that. Like right after it was, you know, you know, like I said, Nelson Mandela was in prison for how, like fifteen years or something like. I think it was longer than that. Maybe like 20 25. years? Yeah. Was it really that long? I think so. Wow. They they visited um if I remember right, I think Roger Ebert loved this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in uh here we go. So the the filmmakers when they filmed the scenes at the prison where his where he was in prison the room that mm-hmm. he was in prison in that's the actual room and you can visit that and Roger Ebert um, he said him and his wife went to the island um one morning by uh, Ahmed Cathedral which is someone Mandela was imprisoned with and he says yes the movie shows the very cell with the thin blankets on the floor you regard that cell and you think here a great man waited in faith for his rendezvous with history so yeah, it's it's an amazing story, and it's brilliantly told. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Clint Eastwood doesn't get enough credit, I think, as a director. Um, and I mean, obviously, I mean, having a career that long, he's much more than just one thing. But obviously, you know, starting out doing westerns and you know making, yeah. uh, you know, he's he's mostly thought of as as that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I I think people, you know, do, you know, do forget or don't know that, you know, he's much more than just, you know, just the tough guy and the, you know, the Western guy, like, you know, well, he, uh, he's composed music for his own films before too. mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Unforgiven. I think, I think this movie, I think, uh, yeah. Oh, and speaking of music, he he made a movie about uh, Charlie Parker, called, you know, Bird, uh, with uh, Forrest Whitaker in the '80s. Which, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of his directorial, a lot of it. I mean, he, you know, obviously he's directed some westerns and stuff, but like later on, um, a lot of his directorial stuff is much different than, um, than anything he's ever done. Um, you know, he did American Sniper and, um you know jersey boys and you know this and 
Yeah, um, letters to Iwo Jima. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, flags of our fathers. Yeah, I forgot. But those are two great. Yeah, yeah. I liked how he made those from you know one from one point of view, and then the other you know the letter from Iwo Jima was, was from uh, you know the Japanese perspective, which I thought was cool. But yeah, it's he's definitely he definitely doesn't get the credit he he deserves, uh, especially as a director. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is one of his better uh, better movies uh to both you know both because it's such an important um subject but the, the way it's handled i mean like i said it could be it could easily be heavy-handed it could be or it could just you know or it could be the other way where it's just like you know saint uh you know mandela and it's this you know you know what i mean like but it's 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 very humanizing and it, you know uh, it, it's just you know it's just here's what happened and i'm sure i'm sure it's you know like any based on a true story i'm sure you know for fiction for you know movie purposes some things are whatever but at that but you know like i said it's it's not overly grandioso or whatever it's just kind of matter of factly here's what happened and it's yeah it's just a powerful story and he allows the story to kind of tell itself rather than you know forcefully making it grand or you know whatever but yeah great movie mm. all right well definitely switching gears uh for my number five uh but uh my number five is the born identity uh from 2002 with an imdb rating of 7.9 uh 84 tomato meter and 93% audience score. Uh, it was directed by Doug Lyman, screenplay by Tony Gilroy, W. Blake Heron, uh, based on the novel by Robert Ludlum. Uh, stars Matt Damon, Franca Patente, Chris Cooper, Clive Owen, Brian Cox, Julia Stiles, and Walton Goggins. Uh, when a body is recovered at sea, still alive, the mystery man seems to have forgotten everything in life, including who he was. Eventually, he begins to remember smaller details in life and soon finds out that his name was Jason Bourne. What he doesn't, what he doesn't like is the gun and fake passports belonging to him. Now Bourne and his new friend, Marie, travel from country to country in search of his new identity. But someone is not happy to see him alive and is frantically trying to track him down. So I know we, we talked about these movies a little bit i know i had uh born ultimatum on on a list um which i do think is the superior um born movie i put this one on because this was the first um obviously the first uh born movie but also you know this this is the movie that kind of transitioned matt damon um you know this is the first time we saw him in this kind of movie before that he was you know legend of bagger vance and you know more serious um stuff and um and so when you when i remember i saw this in the theater and i remember seeing him in this and just uh being blown away by how naturally he is at action because i wouldn't i mean before this i would have never thought of matt damon doing this or you know anything like this but i mean obviously he trained you know for months um but I mean, it, he now. I mean, now it's you know, 
you know, you could you you could you'd go to a Matt Damon action movie, you know, you know, expecting good things, but back then, yeah, you you just didn't know. <clears throat> like, or at least I didn't, you know. And um, so anyways, I mean, that, that's the main reason why I put it on the list. I mean, I do like this movie quite a bit. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> um, but yeah, I don't really have too much to say because like I said, we did talk about this. And I think I mentioned most of what I wanted to say when we talked about uh, ultimate, yeah, uh, ultimatum or whatever. But <clears throat> uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, he the like the scene where he's sitting on the bench yeah that's what i was thinking and, of yeah and the cops come up and he just like a flip yeah. a switch flips yeah and he even surprises himself yeah in the film yeah. and and it's also these this set of movies have also created it seems like they've created other action type stars too because Clive Owen is in this and later on he goes on and does not as good but he, he's done yeah. he's done action movies too yeah and then the second one oh man I think let me look Carl Urban I think Carl oh. Urban yeah yeah, and he's, yeah, he's also he's also started almost a new action style, you know. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think I, I mean I don't know that we would have like John Wick or whatever, you know. Like I think this is kind of the Taken, yeah, and Taken and the, those kind of things. Like yeah, I think they all lead back to to these movies that kind of started that kind of frenetic, kinetic, whatever you want to call it. Like you know, like steady camera, like. Uh, You know, where it's like you're in the action, it's like right there and <clears throat> shaky camera or whatever. Like I'm not sure. I don't <clears throat> I don't know the exact terminology, but <clears throat> the, the the filming of the fight scenes in these movies is <clears throat> Yeah, and you see him use like toasters and towels and yeah. I mean, I think a magazine I don't I think it was the second one, but yeah, he's like there's a he has a fight with like he's using just a magazine. Like a rolled up yeah. magazine, they're like I think he's fighting off Carl Urban. I or no, I don't know. Either way, like there's some somebody that he's fighting, and he yeah, literally just uses a, a magazine and like ends up getting it to the guy's throat and whatever. Like <clears throat> it's crazy. Yeah, he's like American America's Jackie Chan or something. You know, maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't. <laughs> Not quite, but yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, that's a good one. I had um let's see on yeah, I had this one on my well, I had this one and I had Jason Bourne on my backups. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about putting that one in because I do like that one too. I just it's probably my least favorite of them. Um but yeah, I thought about putting it on here just because we kind of talked about the other ones um, before, but but yeah, another another thing I thought was interesting too, because I've never read the books. I knew they weren't. I knew obviously that you know they were updated. I mean, the books were written back in the sixties or seventies, and so obviously these movies are 
very you know the world of espionage and stuff has changed you know computers and stuff so i knew the movies couldn't be whatever but apparently that get very there's like very little similarities between the movies and the books um other than the basic you know him losing his identity uh part but all the other government stuff is completely different than in in the books um and i guess uh director well director doug lyman actually wanted to make this movie um but you know before he ever even made anything like he you know whatever uh and then he made swingers um mm. which is not a movie that you would watch and think oh yeah he would be good for <laughs> making the born identity but um but once he got the clout from swingers he was able to start you know putting this and he actually uh told the the screenwriter that you know don't read the book just you know uh and you know like Doug Lyman made an outline for him to, you know, to, to work off. Cause I guess Doug Lyman's uh, father was in the CIA or, or something. He was some government or whatever. So a lot of the stuff um, in the movie is actually more based on um, his dad's, I think biography or dad, a book his dad wrote or something that involving the actual, you know, uh, than it is actually, you know, Robert Ludlum's books, but <clears throat> Hmm. Well, I know he, like his son, continued the franchise, writing the books or something like that. Yeah. So I'm not sure how many. Like he's credited on all of it just because he created Jason Bourne, but I'm not right. sure how many of the movies are directly based on on his actual books you yeah. know what i mean like did he write two of them did he write three of them yeah you know so i yeah. have i have one of the ones his son wrote somewhere on a bookshelf in here i don't know where but yeah well i, th I think as far as i know i think he definitely wrote the first three and then you know the ones that the movies are at least take their titles from um mm -hmm. and then i think i think yeah i think his son started writing him after that or or you know um but yeah i'm not sure either exactly and i mean they're right there i mean knowing most writers they you know i'm sure they you know he starts stories and didn't finish them right, or didn't, right. you know whatever so i mean the son might have had you know they, they might be stories that uh robert ludlum had wrote or at least ideas that he had had that you know the son is working from you know so you know you never know where um where you know where it might come from but <clears throat> But yeah, I, I, I've never read the books. I'd like to, um, especially since the movies aren't based on, I can read, you know, it's like you can go now read the books and have a completely, you know, new experience, not knowing too much about it because the movies are so different. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. All right, well, I get to pick one of mine my number four is rounders 
a 7.3 on IMDb, came out in 1998. The tomato meter of 65% with an audience score of 87%. Directed by John Dahl. Screenplay written by David Livian and Brian Koppelman. Uh, the film stars Matt Damon, Edward Norton, John Turturro, John Malkovich, Famke Jensen, Martin Landau, and Gretchen Mole. A young reformed gambler must return to playing big stakes poker to help a friend pay off loan sharks while balancing his relationship with his girlfriend and his commitments to law school. So this um, is, I didn't get to rewatch this, but I feel like I have a good enough grasp on it. Um, it's often cited as one of the, the better poker movies which I don't think there are that many poker movies, but Not really, uh, yeah. a couple of things. Um, uh, Matt Damon was talking about getting John Malkovich to be in the movie. John Malkovich was fairly big at that time. Mm -hmm. And his first day, he uh, filmed a scene and was way over the top. John Malkovich yeah. was. And yeah. the whole crew, like they yelled cut and they applauded and and did all this stuff. And Damon was looking at him like, what in, what in the world is going on? And Malkovich looked at him and said, I'm a terrible actor. Yeah. <laughs> and basically he's like, if you when you get to a point where you're so famous that they'll they don't even care. Like they'll praise you regardless, then you're in trouble. So watch out for that. Yeah. It's kind of the point he was trying to make. Which yeah, Matt Damon was still like he was. This was right after Goodwill Hunting. Like Matt Damon yeah. was, you know, he was. This was one of his first movies. Yeah, so he was still kind of green to the to the situation. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and looking back, you know. I remember Malkovich being over the top, but I don't remember it being like clowny. I think, yeah. I think if you're Russian or whatever nationality he's playing, Russian, yeah, yeah, he's I, more likely he played it perfectly. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. Um. And then Edward Norton's character, Worm, was supposed to be a smoker, but uh, Edward Norton famously doesn't smoke and refused to smoke, so that got written out of the script. Um, but this is this movie came out at a fantastic time for us. I don't know about you, but I started playing a lot of poker and did for five to ten years after this and yeah these guys you know matt damon edward norton they would go play in vegas in those big tournaments the hold'em tournaments as well yeah so what do you think well this was also my number four so oh, good 
which my, <laughs> my top four are pretty much like I are my favorite. Like I love them. Like, yeah, this I've seen this movie so many times. Um, like it's so, like mostly because I mean, I do love poker uh, and it is a good, you know, movie for that. But mostly because I love Matt Damon and Edward Norton and uh, as actors individually and, and together they're they're you know <clears throat> kind of basically the same thing i said about christian bale before seeing these two together um <clears throat> is immensely entertaining um because <clears throat> yeah because i mean this movie came out they were both still you know pretty pretty early in both of their careers um <clears throat> and so uh <clears throat> Yeah, they're yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they still are very inter interesting actors to watch, but especially back then, you know, they're you know, they didn't. <clears throat> there wasn't really too much you knew about either of them, and you know, they're. <clears throat> but yeah, it's just. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't actually know what, exactly what I love about this movie so much. It just, um, <clears throat> like I said, I think it's mostly yeah. Like I said, just just their their characters and. <clears throat> Like Edward again, kind of Matt Damon's kind of playing the the straight guy to you know <clears throat> to the other actor. Um, this time that you know being Edward Norton because you know Edward Norton definitely has the showier role here. But um, even though you know Matt Damon's really the main, more so the main character here. But <clears throat> again, he's kind of the down to earth, uh, kind of straight laced. You know he's studying to be a lawyer i think um and so you know he's actually i think quit gambling um after you know because he kind of blew all his money on one you know attempt and since then has been kind of focused on you know he's got a girlfriend and trying to you know go to law school and then all of a sudden the edward norton character comes back into his life who is basically that you know all of his bad instincts or whatever um are you know come back with along with this you know along with worm coming back into his life and um but he's loyal and so he you know uh it's because of you know because edward norton owes a bunch of money to the russian you know to john malkovich's character and so that's why you know kind of Matt Damon kind of puts himself in the middle of that, you know, in, in loyalty and, you know, for his friend and stuff. And Yeah. I also like the, like before, before it gets serious, he walks in on one of his professors or somebody mm -hmm. at a poker game and he, he helps them and they're <laughs> yeah well he tells them what they all ho are holding in their hand yeah he, yeah he, yeah he so he's like yeah he goes around the table and like tells them yeah <clears throat> yeah that was a really cool scene yeah this is another one that has just a lot of good really good scenes in it and, <clears throat> um there's a scene with uh between matt damon and edward norton on in a basketball court where kind of matt damon's kind of confronting Edward Norton kind of for the first time kind of tell him he's kind of getting tired of his shit like you know he's heading down the wrong road and you know he needs to you know get his shit together um and it's it's just you know 
nothing's going on they're just it's two actors just standing there but it's just fascinating it's 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 just one of those scenes that um it's just an acting showcase um and there's you know i mean there's a lot of that in this movie but that scene in particular for some reason stands out to me um i do have one thing here that uh well actually a couple things uh, according to a howard stern interview the film is partially based on comedian actor norm mcdonald um who is you know, an infamous gambler or whatever, notorious gambler. Hmm. Uh, so I don't know, I don't know how much or what, or, you know, um, but I thought that was interesting. And then also the, uh, the late critics, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert both loved the film, but Siskel, who was a professional card player himself, called out the film's reliance on Matt Damon's character's tells, which he felt weren't that believable in setting, in a setting such as this. So... <clears throat> Take yeah. that forth, forth, I guess, but. Well, and wasn't Malkovich's tell, wasn't it the cookie? Something with the cookie? Some, yeah, something Oreo. with the cookie. Yeah, something with the cookie. I'm not sure if the movie even says it specifically. Um, but yeah, it's just, there's something with the cookie and Matt Damon figures it out. And, you know, that's all you really know. I don't think the movie doesn't zero in it or ever really explain what the tell was. But because Malkovich does this thing where he breaks the cookie. And so I, I don't I don't know how that, you know, whatever. I don't know how exactly he read that, you know, was able to whatever. But yeah, it is. It is an interesting. It is, you know, one of the few, which, like you said, there aren't too many poker movies, but it is it is the one that actually. Is it so much about actual like the playing of the game, but gambling and that that world of you know of poker, uh, where it's you know more about the tells and reading people and um, how to bet and when to bet and that kind of stuff. So there is this kind of like inner, you know, like you're entering this world uh, and kind of learning about it, which is always cool to me. I always enjoy movies that you know, kind of take you to places that you wouldn't necessarily otherwise get to see. <clears throat> so, all right. Well, I'm torn between bumping my number three up to number four so that you don't steal it. But then I really don't want to, my, my top three are pretty much my top three. So I have to, just so you know, I have to replace my number three. Oh, that's right. That's anyway. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I wasn't going to. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and put in my backup as my number four. And I think I'm going to go with The Informant. Uh, from For real? No, I. Oh, oh, okay. I was like, I was like, no way did I steal that. No, I, I brought that up to be my next backup. Oh, <laughs> So I stole you. Not only am I stealing from your actual list, now I'm stealing your backups. <laughs> all right. Anyways, all right. So the informant um, from 2009 uh, with an IMDb rating of 6.5 uh, with a 79% tomato meter and a 44% audience score uh, directed by Steven Soderbergh, screenplay by Scott Z. Burns, based on the book by Kurt Eichenwald. Stars Matt Damon, Tony Hale, Patton Oswalt, 
Lucas McHugh Carroll, Eddie Jemison, Tom Papa, Melanie Linsky, Tom Wilson, and Scott Bakula. Uh, Mark Whitaker has worked for Lysine Developing Company ADM for many years and has even found his way into upper management, but nothing has prepared him for the job he is about to undertake, being a spy for the FBI. Unwittingly pressured into working as an informant against the illegal price-fixing activities of his company, Whitaker gradually adopts the idea that he's a true secret agent, but as his incessant lies keep piling up, his world begins crashing down around him. So I think of all the movies, at least on my list that I've talked about so far, I think this is the most Matt Damon movie. Um, just in the sense, I mean, the movie's really just, just about him and his, you know, he really creates a character and, you know, it's, it's, it's a good acting showcase for him. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, I like this movie quite a bit. Um, I can, I can understand where some people might not enjoy it, but I like it's kind of off kilter. Oh, I like it's kind of off kilter kind of, it's just kind of a goofy, weird movie. Um, and Matt Damon's character is kind of goofy and weird. And um, he just, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Um, this is another one where I, I, it's hard to believe it's Matt Damon because watching this movie, it's, it, this is like, this is a performance in a Matt Damon that I've never seen before. Um, and even I, I rewatched this again and, you know, I forgot just how outrageous his character is, but Matt Damon just kills it. I mean, he really just becomes this character and, um, that really like everything out of his mouth is a lie. Like he just like blatantly just makes up and then, then re- you know re you know like because he and if he, he gets called on something or whatever he's he's quick to you know have another excuse for whatever and he's telling one story to to the fbi one story to his bosses one story to his wife and it's just like and you never know as the viewer like you never know what is true and what's not and if you know um you know, if, if somebody really did call, if somebody really did say this, if somebody really, you know, like, you're not sure what is, you know, what, what to believe. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, aside from, from the plot, which I think is pretty interesting, I, I, I enjoyed that, but just, just watching Matt Damon in this movie is, is just a pleasure. Like I, like I would watch this movie again, just, just for that reason. Um, it's, it's just goofy and fun. And, and I, I, I remembered seeing it. I saw it once when it first came out on, on video uh, or on DVD. And I, you know, I remembered liking it. Um, but you know, that was, you know, over 10 years ago. And so I, I didn't really remember just how, you know, outrageous the story is and the performance is. And it's, it's, it is a, a, just a, a wonder to behold. It's what, what are you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I was ab I was about to use it. Um, it's hard. It's hard to believe that we have a movie about corn, for one. Yeah, <laughs> for, yeah, yeah. For two, 
this is kind of when I was talking about um, like Matt Damon and Contagion. Yeah. The the fluffy husbandy type mm-hmm. Matt Damon. This is kind of kind of that. The thing the thing I'll never forget though is when he says he's 0014 because he's twice as good. Yeah, twice as smart as 007. Yeah. Yeah. And just how utterly naive he is to the fact that he really thinks he's also not gonna go down. He yeah. thinks what he's doing. He's going to take everybody else down and he's going to be a hero. Yeah. And he really thinks <laughs> it's amazing. And yeah. this well, list I mean, this list is just so Soderbergh heavy too, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was noticing that when I yeah, I think this is the third Soderbergh movie. But I mean, he made like six or seven movies Uh I think the only one we didn't mention, other than the other Ocean's Eleven, I think the only one we didn't mention was Behind the Candelabra uh, that he was in with Michael Douglas. <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, his, I mean, he actually is kind of smart in this movie, though, like, because uh, he is able to kind of, like, get one over on the FBI, and at the same time, he's embezzling money from his company this whole time, and, like... Yeah, I mean, he, he, it's, 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 it's surprising and, and a little scary how easily he's able to, you know, manipulate the FBI um, and kind of make them look like idiots. Mm-hmm. But yeah, naive is a good word though, because he actually thinks like he looks at like these FBI agents as his friends and like he's like, like they're almost his coworkers as well. Like he's, you know, working with them and they're, you know, they're his cohorts and, and he, he's almost like, there's so many funny scenes too. Like, cause he's, he's such a goofball. Like when he's like looking into the camera, the hidden camera that they've hidden in the lamp and he's just like staring <laughs> into it like wow you know like all this stuff and when he's recording he's like walking into the office you know he's like you know like, all this, like kind of narrating the tapes and stuff like hi carol such and such like that you know like that you know like whatever like <laughs> i just <sighs> yeah i <laughs> yeah this was this was a good one this is one that like like i said i hadn't really thought too highly of this like i knew i liked it or whatever but like watching it again i was like i i have a strong affection for this movie and and especially his performance um it's yeah i definitely i definitely recommend this one for for anybody who who likes matt damon and and hasn't seen this it's it's a treat It's another one of those like you know crazy like based on true story movies that can't believe it's true like Mm -hmm. but yeah that's that's all i really got on that one all right 
I am going to hope that bowling ball doesn't come through the roof. And then I'm going to keep my number two and hope for the best. And then I'm going to list my number three as the Brothers Grimm. A 5.9 on IMDb came out in 2005, has a 38% tomato meter reading and a 39% audience score. Um, directed by Terry Gilliam, written by uh, Aaron Kruger. The film stars. Uh, Matt Damon, Heath Ledger, Peter Starmer, Lena Headley, Jonathan Price, uh, uh, Tomas Honek, Julian Bleach, Monica Bellucci, Mackenzie Crook, Richard Ridings, and Anna Rust. Will and Jake Graham are traveling con artists who encounter a genuine fairy tale curse, which requires true courage instead of their usual bogus exorcisms. So at this at this point in time, um, Heath Ledger was pretty hot and pretty. Um, just pretty he was he was known as the handsome one yeah and they were originally cast opposite of who they played and they asked the director to switch um because Heath Ledger was supposed to be the brother who's up front and has the good you know the social skills and Matt Damon was the other one and they switched for a more, a more of an acting exercise I suppose but I haven't I haven't seen this in quite a while but I can kind of remember you know the if if you've watched any Disney movie you know who um, the Grimm brothers are um, they didn't necessarily write fairy tales, but they would collect them. They were, I believe, German, and they would travel and collect fairy tales from where they visited and and um, compile those and release. You know, I have a Grimm's fairy tale book, also. Yeah. But in this movie, it portrays them as con artists who travel from village to village, and they they set up these fake contraptions that make the village think, you know, something's happening, it's haunted, there's ghosts or whatever, and then they scoot them away, and then they're paid for their services, and they go on and 
the movie's kind of based around that happening up until something real finally comes along and they have to like face their fears and go at it themselves and instead of acting like they know how to do it yeah what do you think i don't remember this movie at all i saw it when it in theaters when it first came out and i haven't seen it since um so yeah i i you're on your own on this one i don't yeah i i remember enjoying it but i yeah i yeah <laughs> it's there's a reason it's the third movie i've chosen to use as a backup yeah mainly because two of my other movies that i was going to use you've already used <laughs> yeah it's always tough when you're when we're doing this with different <laughs> actors because you will you have a limited you know like when you're doing genres there's you know hundreds of movies to choose from but yeah when you're you know we're literally picking from this from the exact lists of the you know so it's it's always harder to that's all i got on that one so all right well i will move along um to my number three and i hope it's not your number two uh, but my number three is dogma uh from 1999 uh, with an IMDb rating of 7.3, uh, with a 67% tomato meter, and 85% audience score, uh, directed by Kevin Smith, uh, screenplay by Kevin Smith, stars Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Linda Fiorentino, George Carlin, Alan Rickman, Chris Rock, Jason Lee, Jason Mewes, Kevin Smith, Selma Hayek, Bud Court, and of course Alanis Morissette. Um, an abortion clinic worker with a special heritage is enlisted to prevent two angels from re-entering heaven and thus undoing the fabric of the universe. Along the way, she is aided by two prophets, Jay and Silent Bob. With the help of Rufus, the 13th apostle, they must stop those who stand in their way and prevent the angels from entering heaven. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, this is another movie I've seen countless times. Uh, <clears throat> I... Me and a buddy of mine went to the theater and saw this like four times. Um, this, you know, uh, we actually had to drive from Winnet all the way to Springfield each time um, to go see it. So it was kind of like an event, you know, to do. But, uh, but yeah, we were, we were both big Kevin, uh, yeah, Kevin Smith fans. And um, so, uh, <clears throat> Yeah, this was one, that, uh, this is obviously an ensemble. This was kind of the exception because, uh, yeah, my, my top three are basically when I think of Matt Damon, um, they're kind of my go-to uh, movies. Um, and the like, you know, the ones that I've seen, uh, I guess, along with Rounders, I guess. But um, so, yeah, I just, I couldn't not have this on my list. And uh <clears throat> Even though he doesn't play a huge role in the movie, um, he's, you know, he's very central to the plot and uh, he's very, you know, uh, I mean, he's in there yeah, kind of like with Contagion, um, you know, he's he's in there enough that, it, you know, it, it works because, I mean, he's 
you know, a lot at the beginning, a lot at the end, and there's several major scenes, you know, in between. Um, but I especially love the scene at the airport when he's talking to the nun and basically talks her out of, uh, you know, like talks her out of doing charity work or whatever, like, um, but yeah, it, just, I, yeah, I mean, this is just a great movie. This is probably Kevin Smith's best movie in the sense of, you know, um, it's a movie. <laughs> it's not just a bunch of people talking. Um, you know, it's got, you know, it's obviously more special effects than any of his movies, but, you know, it's got more of a plot and um, whatever. It's, <clears throat> it was, you know, it was attacked when it came out by all these religious groups, um, which is weird to me because it's one of the most religious, you know, like religious movies I've ever seen. I mean, it's not, you know, other than being like, you know, all the nasty language and stuff, um, it's not anti-religion um, and certainly not anti-Christianity, you know, um, or, you know, anti-God himself, uh, you know, um, and it, maybe it, it does skew against religion or organize, you know, um, in a sense, it, you know, um, but it's definitely not anti anything really. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kevin Smith's, you know, uh, born, you know, uh, raised Catholic and, you know, um, so I remember Roger Ebert saying something along the lines and I totally agree with it. He's like, I don't understand why these religious groups attack movies like this when, because this came out around the same time as end of days with um you know the devil and stuff and he's like they they attack these movies that actually have something to say about religion but not these movies that you know just use religion they're basically blasphemous blasphemous by you know using religion as just a tool for some trashy you know horror movie or whatever so but <clears throat> Um, I guess a lot of Chris Rock stuff was uh, was improvised, which um, Kevin Smith's not big on improvisation. Um, you know, he's because he's you know, I mean, his scripts are very much all about the dialogue as as he writes them. And, you know, anybody who watches a Kevin Smith movie knows that, you know, his movie, that's his thing, you know, so he doesn't usually like a lot of um, ad libbing. But um <clears throat> But, you know, Chris Rock is Chris Rock. And so, you know, it kind of fit with, with that. So, I mean, and he didn't, he didn't ad lib a whole lot. He just kind of, you know, we're, we're like the, um, well, there's a line, I, I can't say it, but um, when, when he's like, know him, he owes me 12 bucks, whatever, like paraphrasing the, the line, like that was, <laughs> that was ad libbed. Um, and uh, there's a, there was a couple other, other things but <clears throat> but um yeah i guess alan rickman um was a big fan of chasing amy and so he mm. uh he signed on um pretty much immediately um you know i mean he did read the script and um but yeah i mean he pretty much was on board <clears throat> from the get-go 
Uh, what, what are your thoughts? I like it. Yeah, let me look. It wasn't. I didn't have it. Um, I think I figured you would. Yeah. I don't know if you got nervous when I referenced the Lannis Morissette being God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do they do they get their wings cut off? Yeah. Yeah, they, well, they cut. Yeah, they cut their wings off to become human in order because the whole thing is if they pass through the gates as human, their sins get erased, and so they're able to re-enter oh, heaven, okay. and that's how it's whatever. So yeah, they. <clears throat> that's a pretty good scene too, with Ben Affleck kind of loses his mind, and Matt Damon's just like, "Oh, there he goes." Oh, no. <laughs> yeah like i said i've seen this movie so many times it's such a good movie yeah okay. i almost looked it off my list like i said just because it's you know a little more uh of an ensemble piece but but at the same time like this was this was one of the first that made my list like i said i pretty much my top four were right there from the beginning and then everything else just kind of came in as I ever, but I also almost left it off because I know we're going to talk about uh, at some point, you know, the view askew movies and stuff, but, but like I said, I just couldn't, couldn't leave this one off. And it was, and actually, like you know, we talk, I talked about uh, you know uh, him doing comedy, uh, which I mean, stuck on you was really the first outrageous, just major, you know, silly comedy he did. But but I mean, here actually, really, I mean, he did, he does a lot, you know, a lot of comedy here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, my number two is also more ensemble, but he's heavily involved. And I, I think we've talked about, we probably did talk about it at the very beginning <laughs> of us doing this stuff. So my number two is The Departed. Oh, yeah. And 8.5 on IMDb came out in 2006. A tomato meter of 90%, audience score of 94%, directed by Martin Scorsese, based on the screenplay written by Alan Mock and Felix Chong, with this screenplay written by William Monaghan, uh, the film stars Matt Damon, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jack Nicholson, Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen, Ray Winstone, Vera Farminga, and Alec Baldwin. Uh, the movie won four Academy Awards uh, for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Film Editing.
Um, an undercover cop and a mole and the police attempt to identify each other while infiltrating an Irish gang in South Boston. So we've talked about it before, I think. Yeah, on the best picture. Best picture. So I don't need to get too much into it, but um, Damon and DiCaprio uh, come up through uh, the police academy around the same time. I don't know if yeah they know each other. I don't think they know each other. <clears throat> I don't know if they're exactly in the same class at all, but they come up and Damon goes on and rises up in the ranks and DiCaprio gets drafted into being an undercover cop. And they spend the whole movie trying to figure out who each other are Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they're both they're and everybody around them knows that somebody on the other side is doing something that they shouldn't be doing and yeah it's just um yeah and they had i know someone had talked there's probably uh, Mark Wahlberg, I think he had said that he'd be up for a, a sequel. I don't know what yeah. would what would go I think, on. Well, I think he's the only one that's alive at the end. So how, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, they made a sequel to the original because um, it's based on these, uh, I think, Korean movies called Infernal Affairs, and there's three of those. So I'm not sure. I've seen the original Infernal Affairs. I've never seen the sequel, so I'm not sure how they're. Or I, I think I think one of them is a prequel, um, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know for sure. And I, I mean, I know it's a prequel, but I'm, I don't know what you know what you know what characters it has or what it, what it, it involves. But um, but yeah, I, don't th- I mean, yeah, this is a great movie. Uh, this was on my list originally, but I, 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 yeah, I took it off since we had already talked about it. And, um, you know, I had other movies that I, you know, wanted to talk about instead. But yeah, I, th- yeah, this was one I, I almost kept on my list just because it is such, such a great movie. I think the only reason I was able to is, um, is, is because it's, you know, it's more of an ensemble. So it wasn't so much just, you know, just a Matt Damon movie, so I, I think I felt more okay with uh-huh. removing it, I guess. But, but yeah, it's definitely. I think, uh, I think what it definitely I, is in my top ten favorite Matt, da- you know, movies. You know, if I'm just looking at yeah. any movie that Matt Damon has made, it's definitely in my top ten. Um, because yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, I mean, I I love this. this yeah, I mean, <laughs> I love Martin Scorsese. I love Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, it, and yeah, I mean, this movie is just brilliant uh i really appreciate how the like the the majority of like gangster type movies we see and get are italian based Mm -hmm. 
and this is Irish, and I I don't know why I really like that. Yeah, because I'm I'm Irish. I've got Irish Scottish in myself, and you get to use that music shipping out to Boston and all that other great music too. So yeah, yeah, and it and it's also interesting because, and maybe it's just me, but I would like in the casting of the movie, I would have flipped the Leonardo DiCaprio and Matt Damon, you know, um, kind of like what you were saying with the Brothers Grimm. Like, I would, I would have thought of Matt Damon as the clean-cut, you know, the FBI guy and, and Leonardo as the, you know, the gangster pretending to be a cop. Um, but I think it makes the movie more interesting that you've got, you know, that it's that, you know, because Matt Damon's the, the gangster pretending to be a cop and... Um, you know, because it's not necessarily a role that you would think of him in, uh, I think it you know it works better. Um, <clears throat> because the whole movie is about you know them pretending to be other things, and so I think it it, it fits better that way. And uh, you know, obviously that you know, obviously the people that made the movie knew what they were doing, but <clears throat> yeah, because um, <clears throat> like you know, because it is a brilliant movie, but. <clears throat> But yeah, so it's perfect casting and, and not, yeah, I mean, everybody down the line, I mean, Jack Nicholson is Jack Nicholson. I mean, yeah, you got to love seeing him be nasty, you know, get to, you know, um, and yeah. Well, that, that scene where he, it's early on where they've like accepted DiCaprio into their circle mm-hmm. and he takes out the bag that has the hand with the gun yeah yeah takes that out and he's like you know waving it around that yeah. was i i think i don't know if it's improvised but dicaprio didn't know the hand was coming out yeah yeah when they filmed it so his he's got some genuine fright in his face <laughs> yeah. when that's when that's going on yeah. yeah i miss i miss jack nicholson i, I wish he hadn't retired um you know we talked about gene hackman i think a, a few uh yeah ago, uh you know having retired and ever yeah jack nicholson's another one that man he's he, i'm sure he still had a few good performances in him it would have been nice to i've seen him a few more times but but i mean you know whatever he's he's earned it so, you know, enjoy it, you know, enjoy his, you know, Knicks games. And I don't think he's allowed anymore. The Knicks I think game. he like spilled chili or he like brought food. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I remember spilled that. it on the court. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> like brought I mean, a bottle of Jack Nicholson. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, moving on, my number two is The Talented Mr. Ripley uh, from 1999 uh, with an IMDb rating of 7.4, uh, 84% tomato meter, and 80% audience score. Uh, directed by Anthony Mangella, uh, screenplay by Anthony Mangella, based on the novel by Patricia Highsmith. Uh, stars Matt Damon, Gwyneth Paltrow, Jude Law, Kate Blanchett, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Jack Davenport. James Reborn and Philip Baker Hall. Uh, 
In the 1950s, Manhattan lavatory attendant Tom Ripley borrows a Princeton jacket to play piano at a, at a garden party. When the wealthy father of a recent Princeton grad chats Tom up, Tom pretends to know the son and is soon offered $1,000 to go to Italy to convince Dickie Greenleaf to return home. In Italy, Tom attaches himself to Dickie and to Marge, Dickie's cultured fiance, pretending to love jazz and harboring homoerotic hopes as he soaks in luxury. Besides lying, Tom's talents include impressions and forgery. So when the handsome and confident Dickie tires of Tom, dismissing him as a bore, Tom goes to extreme lengths to make Greenleaf's privileges his own. <clears throat> so I remember seeing this in the theater as well. And this was, uh, this is really where kind of Matt Damon really showed himself as a great actor, I think. Um, <clears throat> Not that he, you know, wasn't great in, uh, you know, The Rainmaker and and other movies that he did before this, but I think this is, you know, this was his first real serious um, role, and uh, you know, and of course, like you know, he he went on to do do more of them, but uh, but and I, and I just love this this movie. I, I mean, I, I love movies like this. Um, crime type um you know stories and uh it's just a it's a fascinating character it's a fascinating performance um i um and it's and it's it's kind of weird because uh it's kind of uh his performance it's it's very multi-layered in this movie because he starts off as this kind of nerdy kind of guy and then he transforms into this kind of sort of charming character and then at the same time kind of becoming more sinister and it's it's really a, a great acting i mean just you know um <clears throat> And I guess that's what I mean when it's really the first time you really see him as, as, oh, wow, this guy, you know, can really act, like really create a character, really d delve into a character um, and really make it his own. Um, <clears throat> because like I said, I mean, he he goes through so many changes and is believable in every single one. Um, and this is actually Matt Damon's favorite film of those that he's made. Um <clears throat> Uh, I've never actually read the book. I, I, I want to. It's actually there's actually I think like four uh, Tom Ripley books that were written in like the 50s, uh, three of which have been turned into movies. Um, Ripley's Game with uh, John Malkovich as Ripley and Ripley Underground, which has Barry Pepper as Tom Ripley. Um, they're not as good as this movie. Uh, which I think this movie is a great movie. Like this is another for me. It's a ten out of ten, um, but uh, but those they're really good too. Um, I would you know I would recommend checking them out. Um, uh, especially Ripley's Game with John Malkovich. Uh, he he does a really good job um, as the character as well. But um, uh, what are your thoughts on this on this movie? It. I saw it when it came out. And it's one that I need to rewatch because I don't have 
the faintest you describing it is um familiar but i don't have the faintest clue on what what actually happens yeah and uh, it deserves more than that (laughs) yeah yeah i you definitely should return to it um, especially because I, I rewatched it, which I've seen it a, a few times. It had been a while and I didn't remember a whole lot about it. I mean, I remember the basics of it. There wasn't a whole lot of it, but I, it, you know, there was certain details that I didn't really remember. And so I'm glad I rewatched it, but it's really interesting to watch it again now. Um, you know, all these years later and, you know, having seen Matt Damon and a lot more stuff, um, you know, going back and seeing him in this movie, it's, yeah, it's, um, That alone makes it, you know, for an interesting kind of watch. But, but yeah, it's it's also just a really good movie. It's a really good story. So that would be like an unofficial. Would that be like an unofficial trilogy? <laughs> kind of, yeah, basically, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, they're not direct sequels of each other, but they're you know, <clears throat> um, they're based on books that were sequels. So, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, and this was actually the first time I, you know, Jude Law, um, and he's really good in this movie. Um, like I, uh, like he's playing this. You, you know, you, you can you can definitely understand why Matt Damon would want to be this character and want to hang out with this, you know, with this guy. Jude Law really, um, you know, creates this likable, you know likable guy um and and the, yeah and the movie itself it's, it's kind of weird too because like the first act of the movie is it's like it's immensely entertaining it's you know it's like um you know just this him hanging out and like they're having fun in i think in paris or something and uh they're going out partying going to jazz clubs and stuff and you know there's just this rapport between uh, Matt Damon and Jude Law and Gwyneth Paltrow as as Jude Law's fiance, and they're you know like I said it's just this they're just hanging out and it's it's fun to watch and see these guys like whatever and then the movie kind of takes a turn and then it gets serious and um so it's 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 yeah it's it's an interesting watch and I, I really enjoyed it though it's it's one of those movies that you 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 don't really know where it's going it you know it 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 keeps you on your toes. And I, yeah, I, I, I like movies like that. It, yeah, it came up quite a bit um, when I was looking at trivia for Contagion because Matt Damon, Jude Law, and Paltrow are all, are all in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely one I would recommend taking another look at. definitely worth a worth another watch yeah will do <laughs> all right well my number one i think nah i won't say that i don't remember but i it might be on one of my 
favorite movies of all time list. I don't remember though. Yeah. But either way, it's The Martian and 8.0 on IMDb came out in 2015 has a tomato meter of 91% with an audience score of 91%. Directed by Ridley Scott, based on a novel which started out as a blog by Andy Weir. Screenplay written by Drew Goddard. Film stars Matt Damon, Jessica Chastain, Kristen Wiig, Jeff Daniels, Michael Pena, Sean Bean, Kate Mara, Sebastian Stan, Axel Heaney, Mackenzie Davis, Benedict Wong, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, and Donald Glover. NASA uh, collaborated on this film more than it had on any other film. And this movie won... Uh, Golden Globes for Best Motion Picture and Best Actor in the Musical or Comedy category, which Ricky Gervais gave Matt Damon a very hard time for that when that happened. Um, During a manned mission to Mars, astronaut Mark Watney is presumed dead after a fierce storm Uh, and left behind by his crew. But Watney has survived and finds himself stranded and alone on the hostile planet. With only meager supplies, he must draw upon his ingenuity, wit, and spirit to subsist and find a way to signal to Earth that he is alive. Millions of miles away, NASA and a team of international scientists work tirelessly to bring the Martian home. While his crewmates uh, concurrently plot a daring, if not impossible, rescue mission. As these stories of incredible bravery unfold, the world comes together to root for Watney's safe return. So this, if... It's pretty stacked, but it's almost all Watney. Like, it's, and, and I was, when I was doing research for this, I saw that, like, Andy Weir, who wrote the novel, he did, you know, calculations and mathematics and, research while he was writing it so i was looking at that and saw that i i believe he just released another novel that's being made into a movie so i'm excited to um yeah i think it's called project hill mary i'm excited to get that book i'll probably get like a book on tape i'll probably check it out from the library yeah but that is in 
So that movie is Project Hail Mary. An astronaut tries to save Earth while alone in outer space. The only person signed on right now is Ryan Gosling. Which is cool. Yeah. Um, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller are set to direct. Oh, nice. Yeah. And Drew Goddard is writing the screenplay. Let's see. Which he wrote The Martian. So. Yeah. But um, yeah, this is just if if you want a movie with Matt Damon, there's yeah. mostly Matt Damon. Yeah, yeah, it's basically a one man show for the most part. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, great. Yeah, great movie. Yeah, this this would definitely be in my top ten um, <clears throat> as well. Uh, <clears throat> both because I love the movie; it's a great movie. That you know, I love the book. Um, <clears throat> and uh but just just matt damon alone yeah i mean he he really carries the movie um and uh more you know yeah i mean because this is a movie that you know you need an actor that can deliver and that you know can just be entertaining to watch just talking because that's basically what he's doing talking to himself and um you know, planting in his garden and, you know, uh, basically doing a lot of stuff that's not necessarily on paper that interesting to watch, but um, yeah, he makes it immensely entertaining, um, you know, through his performance and delivery of his dialogue and just... Yeah, and he's, he keeps like a video journal and that, yeah. without that, your the movie's half as long for one thing yeah but i just i, I love his personality yeah exactly yeah <clears throat> yeah i <clears throat> this is another one i was i was immensely surprised with i mean i <clears throat> i'd read the book so i you know i, I kind of knew you know what to expect going in but uh but i don't know that i expected to be this entertained um <clears throat> by you know like i said knowing that it was just one you know this guy on mars um <clears throat> but yeah it's you know once again you got ridley scott who's you know always dependable so but yeah it's definitely yeah it's definitely a good choice uh for number one for matt damon it definitely is probably the out of all the movies the best that showcases um you know what he does best and you know allows him to shine because you know 
it is really just just about him i mean there's not you know he's not acting with any i mean there's other characters in the movie and it, it goes you know it shows earth you know a little bit and whatever and so we see that but i mean he's only interacting with himself he's he you know other than the very beginning uh you know <laughs> not really much you know interaction so <clears throat> yeah that's that's a good one <clears throat> All right. Well, that leads us to my number one, which is Goodwill Hunting from 1997 uh, with an IMDb rating of 8.3, 98% tomato meter, and 94% audience score. Uh, directed by Gus Van Zant, uh, screenplay by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, and stars Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Robin Williams, Minnie Driver, Stellan Skarsgård, Casey Affleck, and Cole Hauser. Uh, a janitor at MIT, Will Hunting, has a gift for math and chemistry that can take him light years beyond his blue-collar roots, but he doesn't realize his potential and can't even imagine leaving his childhood Boston South End neighborhood, his construction job, or his best friend. To complicate matters, several strangers enter the equation, a brilliant math professor who discovers, even envies, Will's gifts, an empathetic shrink who identifies with Will's blue-collar roots, and a beautiful gifted pre-med student who shows him for the first time in his life the possibility of love. <clears throat> so yeah, this is this is easily my go-to Matt Damon movie. I've seen this movie more than any other of his movies. Um, uh, I mean, this is the movie that you know basically made a star out of him and Ben Affleck, and I mean, you could see why. Um, I mean. I remember hearing a lot about this movie before it was released and before I saw it, cause I didn't see it till it came out on video. Um, but you know, there was all this talks about, you know, cause there were like, I think 27 when they, you know, wrote the script or whatever, or like, you know, uh, or... it started like we talked earlier, he went to Harvard mm -hmm. and the beginnings of it were an assignment in one of his English. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> So, but yeah, that was a lot of the, a lot of the pre-release talk was about, you know, these young guys and they wrote this script and, um, you know, basically they were tired, you know, they weren't getting roles. They weren't, you know, um, you know, they were getting bit parts or whatever. And so they decided to, you know, write their own, um, <clears throat> screenplay and but uh but yeah so i mean i i you know i didn't know really what to expect going in it didn't you know uh, i mean i love robin williams so i mean i knew he was in it so um you know but i didn't really you know i just i just remember just this is one of those movies that i was just completely blown away by caught off guard um just how brilliant the movie is uh, it has so many great scenes uh you know, just brilliantly written dialogue. Um, you know, so I mean, there's there's speeches by Robin Williams. I mean, there's a reason he won an Oscar for this role. I mean, they they wrote him a, a beautiful role, um, and you know, there's so many moments. Um, you know, funny moments, poignant moments. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to believe that. Yeah, I mean, I I can see why you know so much talk about you know them have you know these young guys writing this because I mean it's it's better than a lot of a lot of stuff written by you know people three times their age uh, you know that have been writing movies for for longer and this is their first time out and so I mean there's you know a lot of there was a lot of speculation on did they really write it did you know um there was talks about oh did kevin smith help you know because kevin smith had worked with matt with, with ben affleck so there was some you know some speculation on that and i actually have a thing here um it's kind of lengthy but i kind of want to read it um about william goldman because there was a rumor that he had was the actual writer and um at a wga seminar in 2003 william goldman denied the persistent rumor that he was the actual writer of goodwill hunting uh, he said, I would love to say that I wrote it. Here is the truth. In my obit, it will say that I wrote it. People don't want to think those two cute guys wrote it. What happened was they had the script. It was their script. They gave it to Rob Reiner to read. And there was a great deal of stuff in the script dealing with the FBI trying to use Matt Damon for spy work because he was so brilliant in math. Rob said, get rid of it. They then sent them in to see me for a day i met with them in new york and all i said to them was rob's right get rid of the fbi stuff go with the family go with boston go with all that wonderful stuff and they did i think people refuse to admit it because their careers have been so far from writing and i think it's too bad i'll tell you who wrote a marvelous script once sylvester stallone rocky's a marvelous script read it it's wonderful it's just got marvelous stuff and then he stopped suddenly because it's easier being a movie star and making all that money than going in your pit and writing a script but i did not write goodwill hunting alas i would not have written the it's not your fault scene i'm going to assume that 148 percent of the people in this room have seen a therapist i certainly have for a long time hollywood always has this idea that it's the shrink with only one patient i mean that scene with robin williams gushing and matt damon and they're hugging it's not your fault it's not your fault i thought oh god <laughs> anyway but <laughs> um but yeah i thought that was interesting yeah and stallone i don't know stallone still writes <laughs> yeah yeah i don't think anything as great as as rocky but yeah I... he doesn't have to <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> insert rocket launcher <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. good point but um but yeah i mean i think his point is still valid though that yeah it's, it is easier to you know just act than to you know to write all this all this stuff but but yeah it's just yeah it's just such a great movie like i I'd watched this movie so much for so many times. Like this is one of the movies that I can almost quote every every scene. Um, I, you know, I was saying the dialogue right along with uh, with them. Um, yeah, me, me and my friend Jesse like used to watch this movie, and like there were times where like I'd be hanging out at his house, and he would just turn it on, and in the back, you know, just we'd just hang out and he would just like throw this on and we'd watch it. And, you know, while we talked or, you know, drank beer or did whatever. Um, but yeah, what are, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. I always forget how much I like mini driver. 
Yeah. I mean, she's attractive. She's smart, funny. It, she she hasn't been in too awfully many things, but yeah, well, like greatly. Yeah, I, I do too. Yeah, I, I agree. She is she is very underrated, uh, even by me. Like I, I I do. Yeah, I do forget sometimes that yeah. Until I see her in a movie, and then I'm like, oh yeah, like. <clears throat> Well, I, I, it's, I'm glad that they won, they won for best screenplay. Yeah. And Robin Williams won for acting, which is probably good because I don't know if I can imagine the scene where he's talking about his wife farting in her sleep. Yeah. Yeah. That whole story was improvised. Yeah. So technically, he wrote that. <laughs> so, yeah. And then that thing at the end where he says, "Son of a bitch, stole my line." Stole my line. Yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah. and he, he said that was Matt Damon said that was his best, his best addition. Robin Williams' best addition to the film was that mm. was that line. That yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, the I got another thing here that the very first day of shooting. Uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck started crying out of happiness uh, because it was a scene between Robin Williams and Stellan Skarsgård, uh, two accomplished actors, doing Damon's and Affleck's scene verbatim, and they had waited five years for this to happen. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I can't imagine how you know great that must feel. So, yeah, like you know, watching these actors who you've idolized, or you know, these great actors that you know. It, it, hearing them read your dialogue you know it's yeah it's I, th I thought this was interesting too i forgot about this i guess um in order to you know like they had a they had a a, a thing worked out on like for choosing the studio um to make their movie because they they passed their script obviously out to you know many different studios and they had this test so like on i guess on page 60 they had wrote a, a sex scene between uh i think matt damon and uh casey affleck's character um just just out of the blue just this this sex scene between these two two guys these two male characters and uh they sent it around to other studios and nobody mentioned the scene and then they went to miramax and harvey weinstein um had uh he, he was like uh, I don't understand this. Uh, all of a sudden, on page sixty, you've got this scene between these two seemingly straight characters. All of a sudden, and so uh, that was their way of knowing who actually read the script. And so they went with <clears throat> with Miramax. So yeah, I thought that was an interesting way to. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, Matt Damon actually became the fourth person uh, to be nominated for both acting and writing in the same year, uh, which is in good company. The other three are Charles Chaplin, uh, Charlie Chaplin for The Great Dictator, Orson Welles for Citizen Kane, and Sylvester Stallone for Rocky. So. <clears throat> yeah. One, I still can't help but think one of these things is not like the other, but. 
this he semester. Still, he still deserves it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I know. <laughs> We've talked about that. It is it is weird to think like yeah, he yeah, yeah. Like he used to be an actor, actor. Um and then kind of almost because of Rocky in a way, um, or at least its sequels. Kind of became more, and obviously, especially Rambo, but because even well, I mean, even First Blood, the, the you know the the movie, the first movie with Rambo in it was more a serious like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the Rambo like you know that we think of, you know, it was this troubled Vietnam soldier who's you know being picked on, and that goes you know um, whatever. So yeah, it's. <clears throat> it's kind of weird but i guess maybe we can talk more about that when we do a sylvester stallone list but i don't i don't think that's on the to-do list. It's, it's not on the to-do list but i'm gonna add it oh, okay. <laughs> even though i think i've talked about almost Sounds good <clears throat> I think I, I think if you look at I probably brought up more Sylvester Stallone movies than any anybody else like any other actor like I think he's on several of my lists that we've done but uh, I did want to want to mention uh, a movie that didn't end up on my list but I watched um, that I was pleasantly surprised by based on the the criticism oh. um i you don't know what i'm talking about maybe no i know i i in my head i'm thinking we we just did a schwarzenegger list but we didn't we did 90s action which is oh, kind yeah. of like doing a schwarzenegger list. oh yeah <laughs> yeah Sorry. i was i was confused i was, no, I was somewhere right. else yeah, no you're all right yeah like yeah it does seem like we well, and then, like I said, I brought up so many Sylvester Stallone movies. Um, but anyways, uh, back to Matt Damon, though. Um, mm -hmm. I did watch a movie that I hadn't seen. It was the only movie of his that I hadn't seen. It, it was a newer one, and, and based on the you know critics or whatever, is The Great Wall. Have you seen it? Mm -hmm. I actually enjoyed it. I mean, I it's it's not. I mean, it, it didn't make my list or wouldn't have made my backup. But um, I really enjoyed it. It's it's kind of got this like buddy comedy thing to it in a weird way um with him and uh pedro pascal or whatever um i don't know it's it's worth watching for matt damon in it hey pedro pascal's in one of these movies in like his first ever role and he plays like juggler number four or what oh. that's not right but yeah right yeah he's got like a Tiny role. Yeah. I remember seeing that today. Now that you say that, but yeah. But uh, but anyways, yeah. I mean, it's it's not a great movie. It's you know, it's kind of weird. It's it's almost like it's it almost is like a bad, so bad it's good type of thing. Like I don't know. I mean, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, but uh, but yeah, just just for Matt Damon's performance, I just wanted to mention it because it you know. It, wasn't good enough to make the list, but I definitely recommend watching it just because I enjoyed Matt Damon in it. Like I, he, yeah, 
I started Geronimo the other day. Oh, yeah, I've been meaning to rewatch that. Didn't finish it. And then today, before I decided to watch um, the Adjustment Bureau, I started um, the Michael Douglas movie. Oh, the Beyond, Behind the Candelabra? Yeah. Have you not seen it before? No. It's good. I mean, Matt Damon's really good in it. It's 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 an interesting, definitely an interesting movie. One of yeah. those, another one of those based on true story, kind of weird kind of things. But <laughs> yeah, well, Liberace never, from what I've read, he never came out. Yeah. Yeah. Never admitted to being gay. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, I and mean, he was beloved by like older women, and like I, it's like, and they didn't know, they don't know. It's like, how do you not know? He's the most obviously gay person I've ever seen. But <clears throat> I guess back then, though, it wasn't you know as um, obviously not as acceptable, but not as you know thought about. You know, like people didn't automatically, you know, <clears throat> think that and that whatever. So. Another movie I watched that uh, that did make my backup list that you know uh, maybe I should have used instead of the informant was Hereafter. Have you seen Hereafter? Mm-mm. It's another uh, Clint Eastwood movie. Uh, it's it's really good. Um, like it's about um, it's kind of one of those that's like it's about three people, um, three different people. And they they eventually intersect, and they're it's like they all three have deal with death um like have died and come back and uh yeah it's it's just really good i would, I would recommend it i was i was re-watching that today um and uh yeah i would i would recommend checking that one out it's like i says it's especially interesting coming from from clint eastwood um it's one of those it's you know because like i said it's <clears throat> It you know it it deals with like the afterlife and stuff and like not in a definitive way but in a what if possible kind of way and it, it it's it's interesting it's definitely something I would recommend checking out um, but it's definitely a more serious movie so it's definitely one of those you you know you want to be in the mood for you know something like that but um. But yeah, you want to do a rundown? Oh, yeah, yeah. So you want me to go first, or yeah? All right, all right. So my number one is Goodwill Hunting. Number two, Talented Mr. Ripley. Three, Dogma. Uh, four, Rounders. Five, Born Identity. Six, Ford v. Ferrari. Seven, The Rainmaker. Eight, The Last Duel. Nine, The Adjustment Bureau. And 10, Elysium. And I had to use The Informant. All right. This is going to sound very familiar for you, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've got... 
13 movies I have to name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number one, The Martian. Number two, The Departed. Number three, Ford v. Ferrari. Number four, Rounders. Number five, Invictus. Number six, The Adjustment Bureau. Number seven, The Last Duel. Number eight, Contagion. Number nine, Ocean's 13. Number 10, Stuck on You. And I had these uh, backups, The Legend of Bagger Vance, Downsizing, and The Brothers Grimm. Thank you for joining us and uh, let us know what you thought. Um, uh, let us know what you thought of the, the movies we picked and if we left off anything that you thought we, we should have discussed. Um, tune in and we'll see you then. See you then.